The power of when. This is such a fascinating topic. Um, there, are, there is a whole branch of science um, devoted to chronobiology um, and such wonderful sounding roles as endocrinologists. Um, and there's um, an abundance of, of studies and, and theories and books um, about the um, uh, about this topic and about option uh, optimal sorry optimal timing, uh, and I've read uh, a number of them um, by no uh, by no means uh, by no means all, um, but it, it it deals with with this idea of the power of when of when to do something and and when not to do something, um, of the best time to start uh, and the best time to finish. Um, it talks about there there are studies on the best time to take a break um, in a project or in your day um, or even in a presentation. Um, not sure whether I got it right, but hopefully uh, those 10 minutes uh, were refreshing to you. Um, and of course, it's at the very heart of life, isn't it? The, the power of when. It, it's crucial. The timing uh, of something is, is crucial to its success. Uh, we might know who uh, and what and even where, but without when, um, the thing is incomplete. Um, for example, um, you know, I could tell you about this amazing concert that's going to happen um, with, uh, I don't know what music you're into, orchestras or bands or, 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 or singers. Um, and I could tell you exactly where it's going to take place. I could even offer to pay for your ticket. But if you discover that it was last week, <laughs> then the whole thing is, is, is useless, isn't it? Or I could tell you about a new shop. Um, it's a chocolate shop that my wife is very excited about that's opened in Ashby um, and that she's um, absolutely itching to go and see. Um, but if we don't know when it opens or what its hours are, then again, it, it's largely irrelevant. Such is the power of when then. And as Brother Philip mentioned, the theme of time is, is a strong one throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, and we're going to start, aren't we, with another poem to consider. Uh, and that, too, I think, is a moment of joy. I don't know if you're into poetry. I am. I enjoy poetry. Um, but, but even if you're not, there's, um, th there's something here, isn't it, brothers and sisters, that we ought to, and we should make more, I think, of enjoying and appreciating the, the literary beauty of Scripture. Um, and to to read it for what it is. Of course, it is the word of God. It is superlative and, and, and that's, you know, beyond any doubt. Um, and so when we read it, um, you know, we, we are looking for lessons, for applications. We're looking for, aren't we, um, spiritual guidance. But, but at times it's nice just to read, to, to revel in its stories, to, to be stirred by its prose, to, to relish its humour and to marvel at its aesthetic quality. The word of God is the, the most amazing piece of literature and we can enjoy it for that. And so Ecclesiastes 3 then um, presents to us a, a, another fascinating poem. And straight away, as Brother Philip read it to us, you will have spotted that there was a pattern. Um, there were pairs, weren't there, or couplets. So um, to everything there is a season, to a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, and, and so on. And there's, even though it's not rhyming uh, in the way we understand or think about some poetry, 
there is a sort of rhythm, isn't there, to it? There's a, a, a cadence as you get going. A time for this and a time for that. A time for that and a time. And, and, and so you, you, you see um, the pairs that, that uh, the writer, the preacher, has put together. Uh, and the astute amongst you would have spotted that they're opposites, aren't they? So um, they go together. Um, so uh, a time to plant uh, and then in time to, to root out, to pull up that which has been planted. Um, time to bore, be born and a time to die is perhaps the most obvious one, isn't it? Um, uh, as, as being an opposite. Um, a time to get or, or to seek and a time to lose and so on. So there's, there's a time for this. And then there's the time for doing not this, for, for doing that, the opposite. Uh, and what's really interesting about that, brothers and sisters, is that it's not just, oh, there's, there's these polar opposites or these, these, again, these dichotomies in life, but that there is essentially in life a positive and a negative. And um, I, I don't know if maths, again, is of interest to you. Um, I'll, try, I'll keep it simple for those of you who, uh, who don't, don't like it. But imagine in your sums, you put plus one. And then you put minus one in the column. And um, uh, again, the accountants amongst you will know that that nets out, doesn't it, to zero. So plus one and minus one gets back to, to, not, to naught, to nothing. Uh, and that's exactly what this poem does. So if you, uh, it, all the phrases are either positive, aren't they, or negative. Um, so a time to be born is, is, is one would assume fairly positive. A time to die, not so much, that, that would be negative. So plus one for being born, minus one for, for dying. Oh, that takes us back to zero. Time to plant. Oh, that's good. It's nice to plant things, isn't it? So plus one for that. A time to pull up. Minus one. Oh, we're back to zero again. A time to break down. Minus one. But a time to build up. Oh, plus one. So sometimes the negative comes first, you'll see. Uh, and again, if we had time, there's, there's a pattern in that. Um, some people who like numbers are fascinated by Ecclesiastes. It's a, it's a number type book in, in its structure. We're, we're not going to get into that today. But, but if you go through the whole poem, you'll find that the plus one, minus one, the positive and the negative, net out. Um, it's what my, um, what my US colleagues described as a, a zero-sum game. So um, verse nine, in fact, right at the end of the poem, the preacher asks, doesn't he, what profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboureth? So what is the result? What, what is the profit, says the preacher, in, in everything in life? And, and the answer is nothing. The answer is that by the time you've got through doing all these activities, all these things that you can do with your time, you've got nothing to show for it. it it's a, it's a zero-sum game. The answer is none. Which again is, 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 is a bit bleak, isn't it, when you think about it, that you have nothing to show for life. And where's the joy in that? Uh, and again, that, that speaks, doesn't it, to that which we were looking at in our, in our first uh, session of the enigma, the paradox. Um, but we can look at the poem in another way, can't we? As well as these, these, these couplets that, that sort of go together um, as two sides of a coin. There is a season, isn't there? In fact, verse one told us that to everything. So, um, of course, the, the list he gives us isn't exhaustive of life, is it? There's plenty of things that he doesn't list. Um, there's a time to um, cook. Uh, there's a time to play cards uh, or dominoes. Um, there's a time to go shopping um, and so on, you know, and all the, all the things that we fill our time with, um, COVID permitting. Um, but, but there is a season, isn't there? There's a, a right time to do things, an appropriate moment a felicitous occasion, one might say. 
Now, sometimes that's forced on us. Um, uh, things outside of our control dictate the time. Um, birth and death being perhaps the obvious examples or, or war and peace. Um, if, if the enemy invades the country, well, it's the time for war, whether you like it or not. Um, and of course, most of us were born without any say in uh, any say so, weren't we? Um, so sometimes things happen that the, the, the time is forced upon us because of the event. At other times, circumstances dictate, don't they? And, and it's sort of left as a matter of choice. Um, so there's a time to plant and you can put your seeds or your little seedlings or your cuttings in the ground or in your pot. Um, and eventually they'll grow, but not until the right moment uh, and until the conditions are right. Um, there's a time, an optimal time to plant. Um, I've no idea what it is. To my embarrassment, my grandfather was a superb gardener, um, but I didn't inherit any of that. So I couldn't tell you when the time to plant is, but I know there is one. Um, um, and um, the, the plants won't grow until that season. Uh, or there's a, there's a moment, isn't there, to sew your clothes. Um, you could choose another time when you don't have a hole, but that's a bit pointless. So there's a time, isn't there, to sew your clothes. There's a time to, to keep quiet. Um, I don't always know when that is. Um, um, uh, again, my, um, my grandparents used to say, least said, soonest mended. There's a time, isn't there, to, to shut up and be quiet. Um, now, again, you can ignore that. You can speak anyway. And, and there are consequences to doing that. So we can override, as it were, the time, um, but, but there are implications of, of doing so. But by and large, life teaches us, doesn't it? And experience certainly um, reminds us that to everything, there is a, a, a right time. The problem is that we don't always know, do we? Um, as we said, sometimes life, life gives us the, the clues, the indications that, that the hole is there. And if we don't sew it, then it, it might get worse um, uh, and eventually it might become irreparable. But when is the right time to, to build? Um, well, you know, we're not sure. When is the right time to love and to choose a partner? No, there's no neon sign, is there, that this is the one uh, and everything will work out. We don't always know. Um, and right in the middle of the poem, and, and here's my, my third observation, that these things, are, again, are, are beautifully structured, um, as, as is, of course, all of the word of God. None of it is, is haphazard, is it, or accidental. It is all by design. And right in the middle of, of the, the, the poem is the phrase, a time to gather stones together uh, and a time, uh, sorry, time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. So of all the, the poignant things that he, he gathers and collects um, he, his middle one, um, the one that he seems to put the most emphasis on, because in Hebrew, it's the middle so often that is the priority. We, we put our favourite things at the top of the list, don't we? Uh, or sometimes we build up to something and put it at the end as the climax. In Hebrew, very often the, the structure was such that the, the important thing, the thing you were supposed to uh, remember and focus on is in the middle. Well, um, we have this thing, uh, this phrase then in the middle, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. And again, um, commentators have debated as to what that really meant. Was it euphemistic uh, in some way? Is it connected to the, the idea of embracement and, and, and of physical love? Um, others have, have thought perhaps it was to do with um, the activity um, of um, putting stones in a field to uh, ruin it for the enemy. 
Um, sometimes um, you might remember, I think there's a passage in Isaiah about the enemy has, has put stones in the field. Um, and I think the Lord told actually a parable along similar lines. Um, so there's a time to, to get, gather those stones up so that the, ple- the field is able to be harvested. And there's a time to, 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 um, to cast the stones. Or maybe, again, it's part of the enigma um, that of all the things uh, in life, this one is, is perhaps the, the one that we're not sure about. Some have suggested there's a, a play on the word. The word for stone is even or even. Uh, and it sounds a little bit like hebel uh, in, in, its, uh, in, in the way it's pronounced. Um, and so, again, maybe this is part of the vanity, the, the paradox um, that's there. Well, I'll leave you to to ponder that. But there is not just in this poem, but there is in life, isn't there? This symmetry that God, verse 11, has made everything beautiful in its time. And the irony of that, brothers and sisters, is that we don't know. We, we don't know when God is going to work. We, we, we don't see the full picture, do we? we? We have pieces. We have our little bit of the jigsaw. And, and sometimes we get to know someone else's bit uh, and their bits and pieces. But we, we don't know the whole. We don't know the end to end plan. And what does he say? He's made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their heart. Uh, Some versions, the authorised version says the world. It's the word olam, um, which can be translated as age, um, which is where the idea of the world comes from. But but mostly it's it's translated as everlasting or eternal um, eternity um, when you when you find it elsewhere in scripture. Uh, And so eternity in their hearts is, is probably as, as good a translation as, as we can look for. And I'll be honest, for, for years I've been guilty of, of taking this verse out of context, something we, we generally encourage ourselves not to do, don't we? And um, you can see the slide I put up there. Um, my father-in-law took that photo in St. Lucia. It's a, a hummingbird. Um, and so God has put this, this concept of the everlasting in our hearts. And and while in a sense, I suppose that there's, there's something positive in that here, there's an irony, isn't there? Because that just compounds the issue, brothers and sisters. Um, the, the fact that, that we understand or, or rather that we don't understand, but the, that we have this this sense of, of the everlasting, that there's more to life and that God is the eternal one just makes the matter worse, doesn't it? Because that blows our mind, really, when we start to think of, of God always being there from everlasting and he will always be there to everlasting our, our, our brains start to hurt because in our in our mortal state and in our concept of time that that's just again unfathomable isn't it uh, and and as um as he goes on to say in in verse 14 sorry verse 11 i didn't finish so that no man can find out the work of god so he's put the eternity in their heart so that no man can find the work of god that, that he maketh from the beginning to the end so it, it's deliberate again, isn't it, that our, our lack of comprehension combined with our, our mortality means that we, we end up frustrated because we, we don't know. Um, we, we know that what God does, it is forever, verse 14. And, uh, and that can't be undermined. Nothing can be added or taken from it. But for us, brothers and sisters, then we're, we're left a little bit in the dark, aren't we? 
we, we don't know um, when. <clears throat> and that's where faith comes in, isn't it? Um, I'd like you to come over to Ecclesiastes chapter nine uh, and that very famous verse, uh, again, that has long been debated and, and, and discussed. Ecclesiastes chapter nine and verse 11. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favour to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. And uh, what a delicious phrase that is, isn't it? Time and chance happeneth to them all. But what does it mean? Well, the word chance, again, um, for us conjures up a certain thing, doesn't it, that probably isn't helpful. Uh, we're not dealing, are we here, with, with luck um, or the roll of the dice or the spin of the wheel, uh, whatever, whatever sort of chance you think about. That, that's not at all what this word means. Uh, and it's certainly not the idea um, um, that, that um, is being described. Um, what is um, the idea is, is the idea of, of, of a, ha a happening, an event, a meeting. So um, we went to Tesco's the other day, nothing remarkable about that, except that while we were there, we met a brother and sister from Ashby Meeting. Now, we had no idea they decided to go shopping at that point in time. And of course, they didn't plan uh, or contact us. Um, and, and so they didn't know. But we we met each other. There, there was a, a chance. Um, that's that's the, the word. There was a meeting unplanned, um, uh, un unknown, but it happened. Uh, in the course of going round Tesco, um, I like to take charge of the trolley um, and I rounded the corner only to bump into someone who was coming the other way. I claim or maintain they were in the wrong. I like to drive on the left. I think we should. Um, um, but of course, I, I couldn't see around the high sided um, um, shelf, uh, shelving. And, and, and so, you know, we, we, we momentarily crashed. Not badly. Um, but enough to, you know, um, do the, the British thing of apologising um, and, uh, and, and move around each other. And on we went. But, but we met quite physically. Our trolleys met and bumped. And again, that, that can be the idea of, of this word. Time and, and an event or, or time and chance is, is really one phrase. So um, this, this, this moment to meet happens to them all. Uh, and usually it's, it's in a negative context. Uh, we could say he met with an accident or he met his end. Um, that would be a very unfortunate uh, event, wouldn't it? But, but you get my point. There is this meeting, this happening that takes place. Uh, and that is the meaning behind here. So then, then let's just unwrap the whole verse then. And what, what the writer, the preacher is saying is that stuff happens in life. Um, and we don't always know why, do we? And from our perspective, brothers and sisters, we believe in the hand of God in our lives, the will of God, but we don't always know, do we, to what extent um, that applies. Some people like to see God in everything, um, even in the, when the traffic lights turn red um, and, and in the minutiae of life. Others feel that, that that's a step too far and that why would God be interested in that? Uh, and, and so they see God in the, in the as it were, the larger things, the, the broader plan. Um, but, you know, there's there's behind traffic lights, there's an algorithm um, and, and and sensors. And, and that's usually why they turn red and yellow and green. Um, now, again, I'm, I'm not um, I'm not in any way dictating where you fall in that spectrum. But 
But put aside for a moment the cause or what's behind the happening, stuff happens. Uh, and that's really the point, isn't it? And what he says is that on paper, um, you, might, you might come to a, a conclusion that the race is, is, is going to be won by the fastest person. When they all line up, you know who's in form and that the outcome seems like, it, you know, it should go to the person who, who's won the most medals or, or races and who is seen, you know, as the fastest, the one who's got the best time. But that doesn't always work out, does it? If they've had a bad night's sleep uh, or they, um, they ate something dodgy or, or they, they move in a, in, a, in, a, in a certain way and pull a muscle, then, then the race is over and they're not going to win. So the race doesn't always go to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise. It doesn't, doesn't just because you're clever, doesn't guarantee, does it, that you will um, have the, the best job and always have food on your table. Uh, and some people who are incredibly clever um, struggle to find work. Uh, and that's a paradox, isn't it? You know, again, on, on theory, in theory, sorry, um, you know, the odds are that the, the people who are intelligent and have studied and, and, and have the right qualifications ought to have good jobs. Um, and <coughs> similarly, they ought to be the ones who earn the money. Um, but the, those who are wealthy don't always have understanding. Um, uh, and, 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 and so, you know, for all of the, 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 the things in that verse, he's saying, well, it might look true. The odds might be in, in favour of that being the outcome, but stuff happens and and you what you expected doesn't always follow through. Time and chance that this this happening um, takes place. Uh, and it can be for anyone, can't it? We've all had that experience, brothers and sisters, of saying, well, I didn't expect that. I didn't see that coming. Um, whatever it uh, is in life. But we've all we can all put our hands up and, and talk about those kind of things. And very often, of course, we, we say it's happened at the worst possible time. Uh, again, the, the power of when. That's usually, I suspect, um, because of the fact that it's unexpected uh, and we weren't able to plan for it. If you knew something was going to happen at a particular time and in a particular place, you'd do your best to avoid it, wouldn't you, or, or mitigate it, um, or you'd put, um, uh, you'd put steps in place to overcome it. Um, so, of course, when something unexpected happens, well, it's going to catch you by surprise, isn't it, and unawares. And that uncertainty in life can, can cause us to worry, can't it? That, that element of the unexpected can, can create doubts in our minds um, and can cause, in, in, in the extreme cases, to lead to people to lose their faith because of what's happened to them. And the fact that it wasn't prevented that God didn't look after them in the, in the way they expected. Of course, God doesn't ever, does he, make that promise to us. And um, that goes back, doesn't it, to what we talked about, that, that there, there are no guarantees, no rules in life, no formula, that if you do this and this, then this will be the outcome. And so we should stop, as it were, expecting that. We should um, embrace the paradox. But within that, brothers and sisters, we should also have faith. And our faith shouldn't be, um, shouldn't be reliant, should it, on, on life always being good, you know, on things always working out just as, as we want or plan. Um, and in fact, it doesn't, does it? Again, as we said, life certainly doesn't follow um, that path. Well, 
there is a need then to have faith, to believe that ultimately God is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, but that that reward may not happen in this life. And of course, we make decisions, don't we? We don't sit there um, as it were. Well, we do sit there at the moment because we're not allowed to go out. But but you get my point. We, we don't sit there normally um, fearful of doing anything in life because something unexpected might happen. That that would be foolish, wouldn't it? We um, we pray and we seek guidance. And, and perhaps sometimes if it's a very difficult decision, we may ask for a sign. But but when it comes to normal activities in life, we we work on the basis that, well, we know what's going to happen or we, we know kind of where where to go. And so we, we set out with a measure of faith. Um, caution, of course, is, is fine, isn't it? Caution is sensible, but inertia is not. Um, and Ecclesiastes speaks to that too um, in chapter 11. So you can overthink this, says the preacher. You, you can be so cautious and, and so concerned about what might happen that you do nothing. Uh, and so his, his exhortation, his, uh, his message for those people is, chapter 11, verse 1, cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. If a tree falls toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall be. So there are some signs, aren't there? There are some givens. And sometimes you've just got to, to pray and go for it. To get, to get on with life. He that observes the wind, verse 4, shall not sow. And he that regards the clouds shall not reap. So you, you can pay too much attention and say, oh, it's not quite right today. Oh, I think, I don't know, I think, it, I think it might rain later. I better not put the washing out. Or it looks very, I don't think it's a good idea to take a walk right now. Something, you know, something might happen. And, and consequently says, you, you'll never get, um, you'll never sow, you'll never be able to reap. Excuse me a moment, I'm running out of power. There we go. Sorry about that. Um, and you'll never, you'll never do anything. <clears throat> As thou knowest not, verse five, what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. Even so, thou knowest not the works of God who makes all. So you, you don't know, says the preacher, how it's going to turn out. Uh, but that shouldn't deter you from setting out in the first place. In the morning, sow thy seed. And in the evening, withhold not thy hand. For thou knowest not what shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they shall both alike be good. You don't know. That's where faith comes in. Pray and, and, and do what, what's right. Uh, again, you know, um, with, within, of course, within, within reason. Um, James speaks about that, doesn't he, in his letter. Um, in fact, there's a, that wonderful verse at the end of James 4. And it connects, really, the, the, the two ideas that we've been looking at. So James chapter 4, um, verse... Verse 14. Sorry, verse 13. Go to now you that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. 
For what is your life? It is even a vapour. So, so there's the connection, isn't it, to our first talk. Your, your life is, is, is hevel, hevel. It's, it's a vapour, it's steam. It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. But the warning, James is saying, is to those who, who decide they're going to do stuff without consulting or, or taking into account the will of God. Whereas you ought to say, verse 15, you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. It's, it's quite appropriate to have plans and to do things, but to accept that we do so under the guidance and the hand of God with, with his blessing. And if it doesn't work out, brothers and sisters, then, then we can, you know, we can assume that it wasn't meant to be, that God had a different purpose in mind. If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Our lives are in his hand. And we come, don't we, again, through experience, I, I suspect, to, to read the signs, to, to look for those moments when God is, is as it were, making the, the path clear. And there are other times, aren't there, when, it, when he doesn't. And again, it's, it's to our own, as it were, jeopardy if we push, um, we push against that which God seemingly has closed off. And the Apostle Paul found that, didn't he? That, that sometimes doors are shut and things are not meant to be. And that can be difficult, can't it? Particularly if, if there's a sense of, of, well, we really wanted to do that and our, and our personal agenda gets in the way. And it, it is then with humility, isn't it, that we have to navigate our way through these things. But the power of when according to the preacher, is when we, when we have the energy, isn't it? When we have power and, and vitality. The end of chapter 11, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart in the sight of thine eyes, but know that all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Sorry, for all these things God will bring into the judgment. And so chapter 12, where we where we started off this afternoon, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. There's something to be said, isn't there, for for doing this as soon as possible, while we have energy and vitality and, and power. And yet again, brothers and sisters, there's such an irony with that, isn't there? George Bernard Shaw said that youth is wasted on the young. <laughs> When you are young, you, you don't realise that that's the time to capitalise, do you? No, well, people do tell you, but you don't, you don't take any notice. You ignore them. And, and, and how sad that is. And, and I'm as guilty, I'm sure, as, as some of you of, of missing out on opportunities because I thought I'd get, I'd get to it later in life. And, and sure enough, stuff happened and, and it was too late or things changed and, and, uh, and that door was closed. That, that road was no longer a possibility. And so it's not, is it accidental? It's not, not um, it's deliberate that the scriptures tell us to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Israel were, were commanded that they were to teach God's words diligently to their children and to talk about them at home. We, we must, mustn't we, continue to instruct and encourage our young people especially during these challenging times that we face, brothers and sisters. 
remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not. And we mustn't be tempted, must we, to look back. As we get older, of course, inevitable, isn't it, that we reflect, we think about where we've come from, the progress we've made, but there might be in that the temptation to, as it were, to have rose-tinted spectacles, to see history differently. There, there could be the sense of, of longing and regret that it, was, it used to be better than it was now. Uh, and Ecclesiastes says that that is not wise. That's not the, the way to think about life. There's, there's no profit, no value in that. Ecclesiastes 7 is, is, is the, um, the chapter where he says that. Verse 10, say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Now, he doesn't say it's not true. Maybe there is a sense in which things were better at a point for us uh, or, or for the world at large. But, but that's not a discussion that's worth having. There's no value in that, he's saying. It's, that's not wise to inquire along those lines. Because all life is, is hevel, isn't it, brothers and sisters? And as we've seen, it's all a paradox and enigma. Uh, and what, what is better for one person may be terrible for someone else. Uh, and we don't know, do we, where, where, where others are in their journey and what God is doing for them. Uh, and, and sometimes we must suffer for the benefit of others. Uh, or we must face something so that they can learn from it and be exhorted by it. Uh, and we know not, do we, again, the work of God and how things are playing out in his plan. But we trust that he knows what is best for us. And that all of our journeys will converge at the end in the right place of where they should be. We cannot relive the past. What, what is done is done. Uh, and... There is a sense then of the, of the power of when. Um, and, and there's a number of passages again in Ecclesiastes where he deals with this idea, uh, as we said, that the past is, is, is history, isn't it? And, and tomorrow hasn't happened, that the future remains a mystery. And, and so we're, we're caught in this moment between the two. Uh, and there's that little, um, little poem, isn't there, about that? That's why the, the present is a gift. Oh, that's why it's called the present. Be, because that's all we have, isn't it? That the power of when is, is here and now in this moment. That, that which hath been is now and that which is to be hath already been. So, so what, what he's saying there is, is the past is, is, is caught up with us. It's, it's right here still. Um, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, um, he said in chapter one. And that which is to be has already been. So the future's in the past because it, it repeats itself. Those, those cycles come and go, don't they? Nothing new. And, and God will answer, God will require it all. But for us, brothers and sisters, then, we are to, to concentrate on, on this moment. There is no time like the present. Um, and again, um, there's a, a series of verses. We won't look at them all. Um, what's, what's the best one to look at? Um, <clears throat> perhaps chapter 2. Um, chapter 2 and verse 12. I turn myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly for what can the man do that cometh after the king, even that which hath been already. Um, 
so what what can you do it, it's already done isn't it everything's been been tried before um chapter three is perhaps a better example sorry um and verse 14 i know that whatsoever god doeth we, we read this early didn't we in a different context whatsoever god doeth it shall be forever nothing can be put to it nor anything taken from it god doeth it that men should fear before him so god does things doesn't he for a reason that we might learn that we might believe fear god and, and keep his commandments that that's where ecclesiastes concludes so that we are to then see the work of god the hand of god and, and learn from it uh, and then there's that verse isn't it that that which hath been is now, that which is to be hath already been. God requireth that which is past. <clears throat> um, and so I'd like, brothers and sisters, for you to come to Second Corinthians. We're going to finish here with the words of the Apostle Paul, who again, I think very clearly has been reading Ecclesiastes and, and has it in his mind, even though he doesn't quote from it directly. Ecclesiastes chapter, uh, sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 5, um, and we're going to go in at verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And that's exactly, isn't it, how Ecclesiastes finishes. If you uh, just just turn back and, and look at the very last verse of Ecclesiastes, Paul is is almost picking up. As I say, it's not a quote directly, but he's he's certainly uh, it seems to me at least got those words in mind. Um, Ecclesiastes finished, didn't it, on that note um, that that um, having uh, exhorted us to fear God and keep His commandments, that's the whole man. Um, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And so Paul says there is going to be this judgment, this 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 reconciliation. God will will add it all up, all those plus ones and minus ones. Uh, and we know, don't we, how life nets out. But how will our lives net out before him? And that's where grace comes in, isn't it? Because tragically, brothers and sisters, for most of us, we are in deficit. We, we are in the red. We are in the, the column that says we owe. But God is merciful, isn't he? And that which is deficient on our part is made up in Christ. And so then, knowing that the word says terror, but really it's the fear, isn't it? Knowing the fear of the Lord. And that's what we are, isn't it? Not, not to be terrified, but to have a sense of reverence and awe. We are to fear the Lord and to keep his commandments. That's the whole man. So knowing the fear of the Lord, says Paul, we persuade men. But we are made manifest to God. I trust we are made manifest in your conscience. Verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us, compels us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should henceforth live, not sorry, should not henceforth live to themselves, but to him which died for them and rose again. We've seen, brothers and sisters, that the death of the Lord Jesus Christ is not futile, is it? It is not vain, but it is that great thing which unifies us, which binds us together, and which is the good news that we take to others. We of all men are, are happy, aren't we? We, re we rejoice and we seek to share that, that happiness, that joy with others. We, we, we share with them the good news. We are, as he says later in this chapter, ambassadors for Christ. 
as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we said, brothers and sisters, that which is lacking on our part, that which is, is, is deficient and, and in deficit, is made whole, isn't it? Is made right. We are presented before him faultless. We then, as workers together, chapter 6, with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Don't, don't receive it and, 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 and waste it. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. In the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You want to know the power of Wembley and sisters? It's right here in this moment. You can, and, uh, you can uh, exhibit the power of Christ in your life. And you can share the message of reconciliation with others. Don't, don't waste time. Don't, don't worry about whether the conditions are right or, or what the reception might be. Don't, don't worry about whether they'll ignore you or make fun. Cast your bread upon the waters. You, you don't know how God will work. Do you, brothers and sisters? Who, who would have thought 12, 18, 24 months ago that we would have seen the resurgence and, 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 and the, the, the embracement of the truth of those from Persia and how certain ecclesias have come back to life that were, that were practically on, on, the, on, the, on the verge of closing uh, and are now whose doors are, are, are bursting at the seams. And who knows what opportunities lie in your neighbourhood. Who knows, brothers and sisters, who God will bring into your path. The power of when you have the, 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 the ministry of reconciliation. It has been given to us all. And now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. For someone out there. That is the power of when. Now more than ever, isn't it, brothers and sisters? In the world in which we live, people are searching for, for hope. They are looking desperately for any kind of meaning. Because of the, of the enigma. And we have it, brothers and sisters. We have the answer. We see, don't we, beyond this life, death is not the end for us. And by the grace of God, we can share that with others. And so we finish, brothers and sisters, our thoughts and our introduction, our beginner's guide to joy in, in chapter four. For which cause we faint not, though the outward man perish. It's getting older, isn't it? It's getting more decrepit, it's decaying, it's heading to that home. One day, ours will be the fate of all of those who end up in a box with the mourners in the street. But the inward man is coming to life, is renewed day by day. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. There is profit, isn't there, brothers and sisters, in the life in Christ. There is value there. While we look not at the things which are seen, the things which are, uh, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. They are hevel. They are vapour. They are passing away. And in some cases they are absurd. 
that the things which are not seen are eternal. If that, brothers and sisters, doesn't bring you joy, I don't know what will. Welcome to A Beginner's Guide to Joy. It's uh, the weekend, of course, and uh, at least where I am, the sun is shining. Um, hard to tell behind these curtains, uh, which I've had to draw so that you can at least see me. Um, and, um, and in our quest for joy, um, there is no better place to start, is there, than with um, the topic of death. Um, to quote Lord of the Rings, so much death. Um, we are at a, um, well over the figure now of 100,000 deaths in the UK from COVID-19 um, and worldwide over 3 million, which is just a staggering statistic, isn't it? Um, and a rather, rather sad one. But if, if the pandemic has, has taught us anything, then it's very obvious, isn't it, that even living in our modern times, um, with all the, the benefits that that brings um, and increased longevity, humankind remains, brothers and sisters, very fragile uh, and very vulnerable. Um, no matter all our, our mod cons and our, our modern medicine um, and our, our science discoveries, we are nevertheless, aren't we, in society, um, the, the, the framework of society, the, the economics um, the, the, the retail and, and so on is, is very fragile. Um, and it, it's, it's proved that, hasn't it, beyond any doubt, um, by the things that have, have happened to us over the last um, 12 to, to 15 months. We are, to a large extent, helpless when faced with the power of, of nature. It was Benjamin Franklin who said um, that... Um, Nothing is certain in this life except death and taxes. Um, one supposes if you're wealthy enough, you can avoid the latter. But there is no avoiding the former, is there? Death comes to us all. And so, in a sense, we, we should get comfortable with that. We, we need, don't we, to be comfortable with the fact that, that this is the end, naturally speaking. There is no, no mystery. Um, we, we know the destination. It's very clear, isn't it, where this road is going for us all. Um, whether you're black or white, rich or poor, male or female, makes no difference. We all face that the same outcome. No, no matter your race, your social class, your gender, we share a common end. And um, in Ecclesiastes 12, and the, the words Brother Ken read for us, um, we have, don't we, a picture of death. Um, I suppose for some, um, that moment has arrived prematurely, um, particularly if, if they have been victims of the pandemic uh, and the virus. Perhaps for, for many of us, though, it, it's more of a steady decline. Uh, and that's the picture, isn't it, that Ecclesiastes 12 is, is painting, um, is portraying. It's a 
a rather inglorious degeneration, isn't it? As we begin to, to fall apart physically, biologically speaking. Um, people talk about growing old gracefully, don't they? Um, I suspect in reality, though, that that's rather rare. Um, the fact is, and um, we all start to feel it at, at different points, but there is a gradual descent into decrepitude. Uh, and if you're familiar with the, the poem that uh, is there in Ecclesiastes 12, it, it's fascinating, isn't it? it it's a, a, a wonderful description full of, of imagery and, and metaphor. Um, let's just let's just unpick it together for a, a, a few moments. Um, going in at verse verse two, really. So verse one is the, the exhortation to remember the creator in the days of youth before it's too late, before the evil days um, and, the, and the years draw near. And he, then he starts off, doesn't he, with the idea of light uh, and the fact that light is is diminishing. It's it's getting darker. Uh, and he starts with the natural light, the sun, the light, the moon, the stars. Um, so before they are darkened and the black clouds that, that hold the rain come. Uh, and then he goes on to um, more figurative, uh, doesn't he? So in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, um, those that look out of the windows be darkened. There's the, the figurative expression. But again, this, this sort of idea that light is, is slowly fading. Um, some suggest that the keepers of the house are the arms or the hands um, and this idea of, of trembling, you know, uh, you, you see it, don't you? Perhaps you've experienced it for yourself as, as your, your, your nerves just, just start to jangle a little bit and you can't, can't um, hold, hold as steady as you once used to. The strong men, the, the legs shall bow themselves. We talk, don't we, about being bow-legged um, or, or stooping as, again, age um, comes upon us. The grinders cease. The, uh, the, the teeth aren't as strong as they used to be. And the uh, ability to chew food uh, again becomes becomes a harder, doesn't it? Um, perhaps uh, even uh, tooth loss um, or, or decay ensues. Uh, and then the eyes, um, the, the eyesight again begins to fade, doesn't it? I've, I've reached that age where I'm now doing this. Or, or, or this, um, but I refuse to wear very vocals just yet. Um, but there we have it, the eyesight again deteriorates. Um, the doors shall be shut in the streets. Um, that's perhaps the hearing, um, which also goes, doesn't it? The sound of the grinding is low, uh, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird. All the daughters of music shall be brought low. They shall be afraid of that which is high. Fear shall be in the way. So um, this idea that you're, you're up at, at, um, at the crack of dawn, you're up at the, the slightest sound. You don't sleep as well as, as you used to. Um, uh, and that the voice is weakened, the daughters of music, um, the, the voice is a bit lower, a bit huskier, perhaps not as, as strong in its um, ability to speak out or to sing. You become a little bit more afraid, don't you? Afraid of falling or afraid of heights um, uh, and of, of general fears of what might be. Um, fear of the unknown, fear of the future, um, what, what, might, what terror might be in the, in the way. Uh, the almond tree shall flourish. Some associate that with a, a full head of white hair. That's ironic because I don't really have any hair. Um, it's all slipped, as you can see, underneath my chin. Um, but the, again, the idea that the hair changes um, and uh, changes colour 
um, doesn't it? And uh, like the almond tree, the blossom um, that's around uh, in, in certain parts of the world right now, I believe someone was telling me they were surrounded by almond trees, I think in Spain. The grasshopper shall be a burden. Again, the ability to move around and uh, there's this, this rather pathetic picture, isn't there, of, of, a, of a cricket or a grasshopper sort of dragging itself. Usually they're, they're so agile uh, in their movement, but this one is, is, is a burden. Um, the, the desire, the, the appetite um, fails. Uh, why is all of this? Well, because man goeth to his long home, the mourners go about the street. Uh, and then the climax in verse, verse 6 Ever the silver cord be loosed and the golden bowl be broken. Uh, and some see that as, as the, the neck and the head, which eventually give up, as it were, and, and bow in, in, in finality. Uh, others see this as more, again, metaphorical, that we've, we've moved from the idea of light, which itself is a metaphor, isn't it, of life, to um, another metaphor of water. Um, and so now, um, again, this idea of water being poured out uh, is, is that idea of life being over. Um, so the cord that would have let down the, the, the vessel into the well is, is loose uh, or it's snapped. And when it snaps, of course, the bowl drops and it, and it shatters, it's broken. Uh, and he finishes up, doesn't he, almost with a, a parallel expression there. The pitcher be broken at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern. And so then life is over. And as I say, it's um, it's a fascinating poem, isn't it? And perhaps uh, you you knew all that, and and so um, please consider that to be a recap. Or perhaps you're you're just seeing this for the first time. There is, however, another way to look at this this poem, um, and that is not so much as um, um, uh, an individual getting older, but rather to look at it as a, a sort of funeral sorry a funeral procession. Um, and the idea there, I mean, um, if, if um, we're, we're in, as it were, good company, aren't we? And um, perhaps some of you um, last week were able to watch the royal funeral um, that uh, laying to rest of Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. Um, and I'm not about to draw any direct parallels, I hasten to add, but um, uh, that, that's um, the, the most recent state funeral that I can think of, um, which would, would help you with the analogy. Um, uh, and if you saw, again, it was a rather dignified, wasn't it, and solemn occasion, um, and that the strong men, all those men of, of military prowess, were stood to attention with their heads bowed uh, as a mark of respect, weren't they? That the strong men were, were bowed, um, shall bow themselves. That the keepers of the house were out, weren't they? Uh, and there they stood um, waiting and, and watching um, for, as it were, their master to, to pass by and to be laid to rest. The, the doors were shut in the street, weren't there? Um, uh, no public was allowed into Windsor uh, or to that part of, of Windsor Castle. Um, and there was no grinding. No one was at work. Um, there were no workmen around. Everyone had ceased to, again, mark their respects and to, um, to be part of this procession uh, and the, the funeral that took place. And as wonderful as the choristers were and the, the buglers who sounded, eventually it was over, wasn't it? The, the daughters of music were brought low and silence reigned as everyone made their way out of the chapel. 
and Philip was laid to rest in his long home. There at least until such time as the Queen uh, is laid to rest and he joins her in their family plot. But you see, brothers and sisters, the analogy and this idea of, of, of someone being, being um, taken and, and, and um, processed, as it were, through the streets, that the mourners went about the streets, didn't they? And there was this procession um, as man met his end. And so the preacher finishes, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. The spiritual return to God who gave it. It's the start and the finish, isn't it, of the human life cycle. Uh, we're, we're being taken all the way back to Genesis uh, and reminded of the truth of that which God decreed. Now, in Christ, of course, our perspective is changed slightly. Uh, the lens is adjusted, isn't it? The, the kaleidoscope is, is turned. Because death is not the end. It is a milestone on, a, on the journey, but it is not the final resting place. By the grace of God, brothers and sisters, the story continues, doesn't it? Death is, if you like, a, a bridge between the life that is now and the life that is to come. It, it, it's, a, it's a fork in the road. And as the New Testament tells us, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, for they sleep, don't they, and rest from their labour. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. But thanks be to God that that's not the case. And so we sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. And so, brothers and sisters... Our joy comes, doesn't it? Not just in the prospect of life to come and the coming kingdom of God. But in the fact that we can, as it were, enjoy the journey there. So often, aren't we? we we're trying to get somewhere in life, trying to prove something or reach some point, some, some target. And it's so easy, isn't it, in, in doing that to miss the joy of, of what's going on around us. Knowing that we will die, unless the Lord returns first, and, and that life is finite, put, puts a, a fair amount of emphasis, doesn't it, on, on how we spend our time now, waiting for his return. And of course, much of the book of Ecclesiastes is, is about that very, um, that very discovery, that, that search for meaning. How, how should we fill the time between cradle and, and grave? And we call this particular talk, didn't we, the enigma of how. Um, and in some ways, this is this is equal, if not more of a challenge to the, the preacher, to Kaheleth, than than the problem of death itself. And I'm going to introduce to you at this point the perhaps the, the key word of Ecclesiastes, the word Hebel or Hevel. And. There's a, a problem, really, um, because in, it, of course, that's a, that's a Hebrew word. Um, and as you can see, it's translated um, for the most part, at least in the authorised version, 61 times as vanity. Um, 
uh, another 11 times as vain uh, and one outlier uh, as the word altogether. Um, but that word doesn't really do it justice. This is the problem of, of trying to translate from other languages. Uh, and often we, we have to try and make, make do, don't we, um, uh, with the words that we have. Um, and vanity is certainly used by a number of the versions. Uh, some more modern versions, I think, render it meaningless um, and one or two others futility. But they too don't really do justice to Hebel or Hevel. Um, meaningless, really, I suppose, would, would um, be understood as pointless, wouldn't it? Um, and, and yet that's, that's not right, is it? Life isn't pointless, um, nor is it meaningless. In fact, life is full of meaning. We may not always understand it, um, but life is, is, um, has, a, has a meaning, has a purpose. Nor is life futile. It's not empty, is it? Life is very full, too full, perhaps, at times. Uh, and so these, these words don't capture the, the essence of, of Hevel. And they don't convey the true meaning. Uh, there's a pun there, isn't there? Um, the, the word for meaningless should not contain the true meaning. Um, I'll leave you to ponder that. Um, but as you can see underneath, the, the, the meaning of Hevel, really, literally, in the Hebrew, is, is that of a va- the idea of a vapour. Um, of a breath. Um, now, had I been with you in, in person, this would have been much easier to demonstrate. I'd, I'd thought about bringing one of those um, spritzers, you know, those those sprays um, with a nozzle uh, and, and, and firing out a vapour and you would have understood. I've, I've captured, as you can see, in this wonderful thermos flask, um, some water. And I don't know if it's hot enough now. Oh, yes. Well, I can see it. I don't know whether you can see that on the camera, but but there's steam rising. There's vapour coming um i don't want to get water too near the uh, too near to the keyboard water and electronics don't mix but you see the vapor don't you the steam well that's the hebel that's the hevel rising from from the flask um, and that's the idea it's a vapor well there are two things aren't there about about vapor about steam one is that it's it's temporary you saw it there for a, a brief few seconds as it as it rose out of the flask, but but of course now it's gone. Um, you can't see it, and I can't see it either. It's not there anymore. It's disappeared into into the atmosphere, into the air. So hevel hevel. The idea is is that of of that which is transient, that which is temporary and passing. But there's also um, a sort of randomness, isn't there, to steam? the way in which it rises, the the form it takes. If I tried to grab some to keep hold of it for you, I couldn't. Um, In fact, I'd just end up with a slightly soggy or moist hand, but but nothing to show you, as it were. There is an enigma, isn't there, to vapour? No no two bits of vapour really look the same. Um, It would be hard to compare them anyway, wouldn't it? There's an absurdity to vapor isn't there that you can't really can't really put your hands on you can't you can't hold it you can't grasp it in fact the word ungraspable is probably the best word to use when when trying to understand this idea uh, an ungraspable contains isn't it a double meaning one of of that which can't be held um, and also that which can't be understood uh, and that's the idea of this word so um although you'll read vanity and i'll read vanity um, or you might read meaningless or futile Really, this idea of that which is ungraspable is, is what, the, what the preacher is trying to get at and convey to us. 
Um, which is quite nice, isn't it? Because there's another phrase in Ecclesiastes, vexation of spirit. I think Brother Philip mentioned it in his opening introduction. Um, this idea of chasing the wind, which again is, is pretty futile, isn't it? Pretty difficult. Um, you can chase the wind for all your worth, but um, you won't capture any. In fact, even if you, you did think you'd caught some in some sort of container, by the time you've caught it, it's no longer wind, is it? Um, it's just air now contained in your in your box or, or jar or whatever. So there is this this enigma, this vexation, this chasing after um, wind. Which brings me, brothers and sisters, to the point that we should enjoy the paradox. We we should embrace the unexpected, the, the unfathomable, the, the topsy turvy nature of life. Now, that, that, that can be a bit of a challenge, can't it? Particularly for those of you who, who like structure, um, because life is, is like that. I'm, I'm not suggesting, by the way, this isn't chaos theory, that, that all of life is, is just a haphazard. Far from it. Um, of course, there is, there is order and structure in our world. But there is no formula for life, is there? There's, there's no, no one's found the secret that if you do this, and that, then such and such will always be the outcome, guaranteed, no matter what. There are rules, of course, but they don't always work, do they? Uh, and they only apply in certain circumstances and with a whole bunch of factors and, and caveats. And, and that's the nature of life, isn't it? That it's, um, it, it has its unexpected moments. It is an enigma. Uh, and the things that happen to me may be very different from the things that happen to you, even if we were to try the same thing. And so, brothers and sisters, we, in some cases, don't we need, need, to, need to stop trying to make sense of that, um, as it were, and, and go with the flow. We, we, we could easily spend many sessions just looking at this one aspect of Ecclesiastes, and, uh, and again, we're, we're not. Um, but, but perhaps I can give you a couple of examples um, and also highlight that this is very deliberate, that, that this, this randomness, this paradox is of God. Um, it's there, in, in, in fact, in chapter one. So in chapter one of Ecclesiastes, if you open your Bibles with me. The preacher says, verse 13, I gave my heart to seek and to search out wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of men to be exercised therewith. So this, this travail, this, this difficult circumstance ha, is given by God to the children, the sons of men. And I've seen all the works that are done under the sun. Behold, all is vanity. All is, is hevel, hebel, it's, it's vapor. It's, it's a paradox, an enigma. It's ungraspable, says the preacher. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. That which is wanting cannot be numbered. You, you, you can't work it out all the time. Sure, sometimes it makes sense. Other times it, it doesn't. And there are no, no rules, no logic that can be applied there. Uh, and what is this sore travail then that he's, he's describing? Uh, well, it's there, isn't it, um, in, in those opening verses uh, we're not going to read it all, but um, if you were to read from verse three down to about verse nine, 
He talks about this, this sort of repetitive monotony that's going on in life. He's, he's sat back in his, in his chair and he's observed what's going on. One generation cometh, uh, one generation passeth away and another generation cometh. So people come and go uh, and there's, there's this cycle, isn't there, of life. But the earth abides forever. The earth just keeps spinning on its axis. It, it's different people, different generations, but the same planet that they're walking on. And again, that's that's a, a paradox, isn't it? An, an enigma. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastes to his place where he arose. The wind goes towards the south and turns about to the north. It whirls about continually. The wind returns again according to its circuits. So, so the sun has this trajectory. It rises in the morning and it sets in the evening and it, and it follows its, its path. The wind whirls about, it, it, it goes north, it goes south, it blows again, but it's, it's got its track. And the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. So the water flows, doesn't it? All that water is going in a particular direction. And yet, unlike a, a, a bath, when you turn the taps and it fills up and to the point where you've got to stop, otherwise you, you flood the place. That's not the case, is it? There's something else going on with with the water in nature. All things are full of labour or, or weariness. Man cannot, cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing or the ear filled with hearing. There is this endless repetition, this monotony of life, these cycles that continue. And yet they, they can't really be explained. Or chapter six. Ecclesiastes chapter six, um, the opening verses. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun. It is common among men, a man to whom God hath given riches, wealth and honour, so that he wanteth nothing for his soul of all that he desireth. So there you go. Um, God's given someone wealth um, and, and, um, and money and, and uh, respect, honour. Yet God giveth him not the power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth it. This is a vanity and it is an evil disease. So imagine that you've got someone who's who's successful um, in, in the world's eyes, who's who's financially um, got it all um, and who has commanded respect uh, of his peers. And yet he doesn't isn't able to enjoy that. He's not able to. Um, to use those things that he's acquired. To good effect. In fact, someone else gets the benefit. A stranger devours it. Um, and and that's, again, um, you wouldn't say that was meaningless, would you? In fact, you'd say that there was a lot of meaning in that. It was a very poignant um, remark. Um, but it's also not not a good one, is it? It's a negative comment. In fact, the, the, the word he uses is a sickness, a disease um, that, 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 that this should happen, that this should be the case. Um, I, I'm trying to think of the, uh, a modern day example. I suppose the idea of, of, of earning some money and then having the taxman take it all from you. Um, we talked, didn't we, about the inevitability of taxes. Um, and imagine that, you know, you, you've worked hard and you, you just think, oh, I've just managed to save this money. And then um, a bill from, from the HMRC arrives and you've got to give it all up. And, and, you know, wouldn't that be, that would just be so frustrating. Um, there would be a, a, an absurdity to that, an irony to, to that situation. Well, that's life, says the preacher. Or chapter seven, 
Um, verse 13, consider the work of God. Again, notice this is of God. This is, this is divinely ordained, that, that this paradox. Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? So we, we'd like to, um, you know, iron it out and, and figure it out and, and have it all neatly arranged um, and in our, in our box. But that's not the way it works. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider God hath set the one over against the other. God, God's deliberately put things in, in contention to the end that man should find nothing after him. To realise that there is something else, something more that this life cannot satisfy or fulfil. It is ungraspable uh, and there's just a quick summary of other passages that we we don't have time to look at um, if you want to make a note so there are then these these paradoxes the this this enigma um that's there and in a sense we need to enjoy that we need to not 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 worry ourselves with with trying to to figure it out and, and come to an answer because there isn't one um there there is no getting around the fact that god has has set up uh, life in this world under the sun in this enigmatic way that things don't always follow um, what we would expect. Now, another way to look at the enigma uh, and in fact, to interpret the whole book of Ecclesiastes is, is through Genesis uh, and particularly those early chapters of Genesis. We, we've mentioned already, haven't we? Uh, we saw in chapter 12 that very clear reference back to um, the dust and the origins of man. Um, but there's something else. Um, and that is the word hebel, because it's identical. Um, it's the same word that we saw me that meant vapor as the name Abel. Uh, and of course, we're familiar with him from Genesis chapter four, aren't we? Abel was the, the second son, the youngest son of Adam and Eve. Uh, and of course, was killed prematurely, murdered by his brother Cain. We might say, if we were looking for a, a way to um, to reconcile those those two ideas um, of, of Hebel vapor uh, and, and Hevel uh, Abel, the, the man. Well, his life was a vapor, wasn't it? His life was like a, a puff of air. It, it lasted but for a breath, it seemed, particularly when you, you think of the, the longevity of those um, who were living in, in those early parts of Genesis, um, living for 900 plus years, weren't they? Well, not Abel. Um, his life was over very, very quickly. It was short lived, wasn't it? That begs the question, doesn't it? Why did Eve name him Abel, Hevel? Was it, was it prophetic? Often the names in scripture are, aren't they? Prophetic and they, they somehow retrospectively apply to, to the individual that they're named, one assumes at birth, and yet the, the events that unfold in their life are what really fits and, and helps to understand the name. And, and maybe that's the case here. Maybe he was called Hevel, Abel, um, but it was only later that that became um, uh, or, or it was understood as to why that was. Or perhaps Eve was commenting on the struggle of life. Maybe she was wrestling with the, the paradox, the enigma of her mortality uh, and, and of the effects of the curse uh, and of the pain of childbirth that she'd been through twice now. Um, and maybe she said, this is, this is Hevel. What, what is this? Is this how life is going to be from now on? in looking for the, the seed, the promised seed that, that God had foretold. 
Well, uh, as we've said, Abel's life was a, a vapour. Um, and again, time forbids us to look in any detail. But, but as I say, you can look back at his life and, and, and the whole of the, that bit of Genesis um, and try to interpret Ecclesiastes in that, in that way, through that lens. Just one little idea for you. Um, Hebrews talks, doesn't it, um, about um, Abel. Uh, and there's a number of references that, that really focus on his blood. Um, Jesus mentions the blood of righteous Abel. Um, and um, then Hebrews speaks here of um, the fact that the blood of the Lord that was, was shed speaks better things than that of, of Hevel, of Abel. So the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is, is not, is it, vanity? It is not an enigma, um, a mystery. In fact, brothers and sisters, it is very much graspable. It, it speaks of better things in that the Lord's life was not wasted. He too was murdered. His life was taken prematurely. But the life is only empty if the death means nothing. And the death of the Lord Jesus Christ means everything, doesn't it? Normally, death is the great separator it's what parts us, isn't it, from one another? If, if someone ceases to live, then, then we're not in their company anymore. And death is, is a lonely affair. We don't die, do we, in harmony, and as it were, together. We die alone. But in the case of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death is the great unifier. His sacrifice, brothers and sisters, is, is what draws us, isn't it, and binds us together. This is the basis of our fellowship. That we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that our lives are made possible by the shedding of his blood. That is the, the core, isn't it, of our ecclesial life. And so our next takeaway our next action is to enjoy being with others if if covid has taught us anything then it's taught us hasn't it that the blessing of community of not being on your own and if you are um if you are in that situation if you have been alone then you'll know again that the, the wonder of being able to talk to others um, even if you've not been able to physically be in their presence, just picking up the phone or, or being able to chat in, in Zoom rooms has been a real um, benefit, hasn't it? It's been a, a blessing. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter four tells us, doesn't it, that two are better than one because they have a great reward for their labour. If they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. There are so many benefits, aren't there, brothers and sisters, to being in a family and an ecclesia. We get more done. That the work is, is shared and divided and that the labour, therefore, is more profitable. And if one gets into trouble, then there's another to help them up. To visit the sick. To write to those in isolation. 
to encourage and exhort one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. Two are better than one. A threefold cord is not easily broken. God has set the solitary, hasn't he, brothers and sisters, in families. And, and, and now more than ever, the, the blessing, the, the enjoyment of being in ecclesias, of being in spiritual families, must, mustn't it be, be evident to us and something that we enjoy and rejoice in. And thank God for the technology that has enabled and allowed that to continue during these, these challenging times. I'd like to return, time is, is rapidly going for us, I'd like to return to um, an earlier point that we mentioned, that death is in some way like a bridge, a stepping stone from, from this life to the, to the next in the kingdom of God. And when you start to think about that, brothers and sisters, that, that's most profound, isn't it? Because if death is not the end, it is but that the gateway to that which comes next, then this life is hevel, isn't it? It's, it's temporary. It's transient. And we must, therefore, enjoy the moment. There is no lasting value here in this life, in this world. Nothing is there that can truly satisfy or fulfill us. And really, that's one of the, the, the key lessons, isn't it, from this book of Ecclesiastes. And, and of course, if we then, as it were, step back and, 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 and allow the, the picture to become bigger, we, we see the whole of Scripture. Ecclesiastes is but one, one book, isn't it, in the word of God in the canon that we have. But we have here no continuing city. Uh, and God wants us to, to, to come to that realisation, to come to that appreciation that there must be more. And that it is in following him, in, in fearing God and, and keeping his commandments, that true satisfaction lies. Physically, of course, we are here on the earth. Where else could we be? But we must learn then to be content, to enjoy what God has given us here in this place. I've described this as enjoying the moment. But th there are a number of passages, again, in Ecclesiastes, and um, we, we may not have time to see them all. Um, but there is this, this idea, this, this series of, of a gift from God. James says, doesn't he, every good gift and every perfect gift is, is from above and cometh down from the, the Father of lights. Uh, and so just come back to Ecclesiastes chapter 2 for a moment. Verse 24, there is nothing better for a man than, than that he should eat and drink, that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labour. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. So you, you, you start reading, don't you, and you think, oh, well, there must be some catch in this. There's nothing better for the man that he should eat and drink. Well, well, clearly he's not talking to believers here. He must be talking to, to other folks who, who don't believe or, or to the world in general. But, but he's not, brothers and sisters. I don't, I don't think that's the case. In fact, I don't think Ecclesiastes is written like that at all. Um, some suggest, don't they, that the phrase under the sun applies to those not in Christ. Uh, but I don't, I don't see any evidence for that. Um, in fact, 
the hand of God and, and the work of God is, is evident throughout the whole book. Uh, and I think we need to read it not in um, in some sarcastic way uh, or in some 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 sort of microcosm that, that only applies to a subset of people. I think this applies to all of us. We all, whether we're believers in God or not, live under the sun, don't we? That is our natural home. Uh, and as we've said, death comes to us all, um, that, that natural decline um, through life. Uh, and so, brothers and sisters, from the hand of God, in this life, we should eat and drink. In fact, we have to eat and drink, don't we, in order to stay alive. There's an irony there, isn't there, um, that man must eat um, in fact, man must work in order to eat and he eats in order to live and his life is on a path, on a, on a trajectory which leads to death. So there, there is, a, um, again, part of that, that, that cycle that we, we've already looked at. But, brothers and sisters, we are to enjoy. He should make his soul enjoy good in his labour. If we're able to, to find, as it were, um, something that we enjoy doing, um, some, something that, that gives us, a, 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 as it were, a temporary moment of pleasure, well, then that's good, isn't it? And that's from God. That's, that's a blessing, if that's the case. Right here, on, on the earth, under the sun, right, right now, in this mortal life, before, before Christ comes, we can and we should enjoy the blessing of food and drink, of, of being happy, as it were, and, and seeing the funny side of life. That too is a, is a gift, isn't it? There's nothing that says in scripture that um, just because these things are serious, that we, that we can't smile, that, that, we, that we should be miserable. In fact, we of all men are not miserable, aren't we? Because of the hope that we share. And, and so, um, just to give you another example, um, chapter three of Ecclesiastes, verse 12. I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. Also, that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labour. It is the gift of God. Um, he goes on in, in chapter five, verse 18. This, uh, that we, behold, that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labour. Which God giveth him, for it is his portion. Uh, and there's the full list. Again, we won't uh, we won't finish up. But but again, in chapter eight and again in chapter nine, he makes these same points. Uh, and the fact that there are these re the, these repetitions, and sisters, this this refrain tells you it's not by accident. It's not a throwaway statement and or, or something that, well, that there must be a catch in that um, doesn't doesn't sound right, does it? We we can, brothers and sisters, we, we are permitted or rather we are encouraged, aren't we, to enjoy the moment. There is value in eating and drinking, not, not you understand, to excess or, or to riotous living, nor necessarily just for ourselves, but the joy of eating in one another's company and the blessing of food itself. This is not, is it, that the rich fool who ate and, and drank and was to be merry, who had made no provision in his life for God, Rather, brothers and sisters, the kingdom of God is, is more, isn't it? It's not meat and drink. But whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, says Paul, we do all to the glory of God. And so we can and we should enjoy the moment. Well, I'd like you to come finally, please, as we, we wrap up this session to Romans chapter 8. 
because the enigma is by design. Uh, and I suppose in a sense, I, I've been um, trying to make that point all along and I, I hope that's come across. But, but Paul really uh, helps us um, to understand this fully in, in Romans chapter eight. Uh, and he picks up for us the language of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes isn't quoted directly anywhere in the scriptures uh, outside of the book. Uh, but there are definitely allusions in the New Testament to the writing, to the, the, the words of the preacher. And, and here's one good example. Verse 18 of Romans chapter 8. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So, brothers and sisters, there is something better, isn't there, to look forward to. There is something more than this life, more than the hell that we, that we look too. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. We long for God's glory to be manifest in us as it was in his son. We look forward to that, that moment. For, verse 20, that the creature, or really the creation, was made subject to vanity. There's our word, isn't it? There's the word of Ecclesiastes picked up now by Paul. The creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly. So it, it, didn't, it, it didn't make itself do this. It wouldn't have been a natural choice, would it, for us to have this, this life in this way? To have this paradox or, or this amount of death. That certainly wouldn't have been a, a, a thing we would, we would opt for. It's not done willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. God has done this, brothers and sisters. This is of God, isn't it? As we saw, God has, uh, and we can't straighten that which God has made crooked. He, as hard as we might try, no matter how much money you've got, how much time you've got, how much energy you expend, you will not reverse what God has put in place. That Hevel is there deliberately, by design. God has subjected the creation to this vanity in hope. Because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption, to the glorious liberty of the children of God. We know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together. And we've seen, haven't we, some of that groaning, brothers and sisters. We, we, there is a sense, isn't there, in which the whole planet is groaning right now. Um, uh, and and you, you see that in, in the news and the events that unfold. Uh, and we believe, don't we, that these things must herald the return of the Lord. Uh, and so then, verse 24, we are saved by hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man hopeth, why doth he, sorry, what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. So, brothers and sisters, we have begun our, our journey. This is but a, a beginner's guide to joy. But we rejoice truly in the hope that we have together, in the expectation of the fulfillment of the promise of God in us.